0: Let me just tell you exactly what my message is. The Republican Party will soon be known as the Party of Healthcare. Okay.
1: Got a funny way of showing it, though, don't
0: they? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Jesus. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am, stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, I'm stuck in the
1: middle From with Pacifica you From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The Bradcast As heard on KPFK, people-powered radio, 90.7 FM in LA Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN And in Eureka on KGOE Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui-Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We stream coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets every day as well. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. Thank you, one and all, for joining us. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker. And all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Good to have you here with us. Uh, as the fallout from the four-page summary slash cover-up, as many are now calling it, by Trump's new Attorney General, William Barr, of the Robert Mueller Special Counsel Report, continues today. We will be joined in just minutes by our old friend Heather Digby Parton of Salon, who we like to chat with during landmark moments of this nightmare presidency. Well, perhaps it's just a nightmare for those of us who uh, don't think a pathologically lying criminal should be allowed to run our nation. But, you know, that's a smaller and smaller amount of us, I guess, Desi Doyle <laughs> Oh, you
2: and your standards.
1: Yes. Uh, anyway, we will see what Desi, uh, Desi Digby thinks <laughs> about that, about the uh, Barr report and about the corporate media's bizarre reaction, frankly, to Barr's summary. Over the past uh, couple of days, as if these uh, people in the media have not learned a damn thing about, frankly, anything at this point, as they continue to compound their failures with still more failures. Uh, as far as I can tell from looking at some of their coverage from the past day or so. So we will get into that momentarily. In the meantime, we will also have a fresh green news report for you a little bit
2: later. Yep, brand spanking news.
1: Speaking of the wheels coming off, there, <laughs> yeah. uh, you can look forward to that as well. And uh, in some quickly national legislative news of note, there are a number of points that I'm going to try to uh, give all too short shrift to here for the moment. Uh, So that I have time for both Digby and Desi today Uh, first, which also speaks to corporate media failure, even from AP here, who I frequently turn to for their usually just the facts, ma'am coverage this morning, their story on the U.S. House attempt to override Trump's veto. Of a majority of both houses of Congress uh, voting to block his national, his fake national emergency to steal border wall funds from the U.S. military. The first graph from uh, AP was this today. President Donald Trump is nearing a victory over Democrats as the House tries to override his first veto, a vote that seems certain to fail and would let stand his declaration of a national emergency at the Mexican border. Well, the bar for what amounts to a victory these days, apparently, in D.C., seems to be getting lowered very quickly, as does seem to be the case uh, whenever there is a Republican in the White House. Unless victory means losing by a margin of 248 to 181, as the president did in this vote today, The slightly updated AP story lead after the vote actually happened this afternoon. The Democrat led House failed Tuesday to override President Donald Trump's first veto, salvaging his effort to steer billions of extra dollars to erecting border barriers and delivering a victory to the White House in a constitutional and political clash that has raged for months. Lawmakers voted uh, 248 to 181 to overturn Trump's veto, but that fell 38 votes shy of the required two-thirds margin. Then they go on to say, while clearly a defeat for Democrats, now so winning the vote by 67 votes, including 14 Republicans who also voted against the president, that apparently is clearly a defeat for Democrats. Because they did not manage to get to win by a two-thirds majority,
2: they just won by a regular big majority, a huge
1: majority. <laughs> than, but yeah, so yeah. it's a, a victory for it's Republican math. The president. Yep, uh, the vote uh, did afford the, the Democrats a chance to reemphasize their differences with Trump and to change the subject from collusion allegations that have lost political clout. AP declares. Have they? Well, Digby is standing by. We'll talk with her about that. By invoking his national emergency power, Trump has said he will shift $3.6 billion from military construction to erecting barriers along the border. Congress has voted to provide less than $1.4 billion for those barriers, leaving Democrats and some Republicans fuming that Trump is abusing his powers by ignoring Congress and their constitutional control over spending. Despite the veto remaining intact, Trump may not be able to spend that money, because, uh, at least not quickly, because of lawsuits by Democrats that could take years to resolve. The Pentagon last week sent a list to lawmakers of hundreds of military construction projects that might be cut for barrier work. And I'm sure the folks who uh, voted to support Trump's fake uh, national emergency here will be happy. Their constituents will be delighted when uh, measures get killed in their own districts to pay for this wall. At a House Armed Services Committee hearing Tuesday, panel chair Adam Smith, Democrat from Washington, said it was wrong to use the Pentagon as a piggy bank sl- uh, slash slush fund. The top com- uh, the committee's top Republican, Mac Thornberry of Texas, also said he opposes. Redirecting defense funds. But, you know, victory for the president over Democrats, as AP tells it. Congress had sent Trump a resolution annulling the national emergency that Trump declared at the U.S.-Mexico border. That included passage by the Republican-led Senate as well. Yes, a majority in the Senate also voted against Trump. Twelve GOP senators, that's nearly one of every four, joined Democrats to block Donald Trump. But victory for the president over Democrats after they could only win the vote in the House 248 to 181 and only win in the U.S. Senate 59 to 41, despite being in the minority in the upper chamber. But because the House couldn't override the veto, there will be no override vote in the Senate Trump lost majorities in both houses, which now is a victory for Donald Trump. In another presidential victory for the White House, the Trump administration's Department of Justice has now changed their position on a lawsuit against the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare in hopes that they may be able to immediately take away health insurance coverage from 20 to 30 million Americans. It was a dramatic reversal of their previous position on uh, Monday night. The Trump administration told a federal appeals court that it wants the entire Affordable Care Act struck down. That would leave millions uninsured. The administration in a terse two sentence filing on Monday uh, with the appeals court in New Orleans said it agrees that former President Barack Obama's health care law should be declared unconstitutional after Congress repealed one part of it. That would be the fines on people who remained uninsured. The uh, new position by the Justice Department under the new Attorney General William Barr is at odds with uh, the previous position. When the department was led by Jeff Sessions, leading uh, congressional Republicans who said they did not intend to repeal other parts of the law when they cut out the fines uh, effective this year, uh, leaving some of them unhappy as well. Those fines were cut out via legislation that the Republicans passed last year when they controlled both houses. The administration's earlier stance in the lower court uh, was that only federal protections for people with pre-existing medical conditions and the limits on premiums charged to older people, sick people, uh, you know, only only those protections should be struck down. Now they want Everything struck down. They want to take away restrictions on uh, insurance prices for the elderly and anybody with a pre-existing condition, but also anyone who received health care. That's, again, 20 to 30 million Americans who did not have health care before Obamacare was adopted nine years ago. They want to take it away. Uh, Nonetheless, Reacting to pushback, Uh, you heard at the top of the show there, Donald Trump saying that the Republican Party will become the party of health care. He's got a very funny way of showing it. This is a lawsuit that was brought by a bunch of Republican states and a, a district court judge agreed with them that the entire Affordable Care Act should be struck down. Now that the uh, fine for uh, uh, not having health insurance has been removed by uh, Republicans, and now the uh, Trump DOJ agrees with them. So uh, House Democrats, meanwhile, on Tuesday, unveiled legislation to try to shore up the Affordable Care Act and to expand enrollment to millions more people. Of course, many Democrats are eager to institute a national single payer Medicare for all type system. But for now, Democrats in the House are just hoping to shore up the Affordable Care Act, if possible, in advance of the 2020 election. (sighs) But that is just the latest gift from Trump's new Attorney General, William Barr. His gift to the president over the weekend, what some are calling a whitewash of the Mueller report. That is what we will discuss next with Heather Digby Parton of Salon and Hullabaloo. I'm Brad Friedman of the Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. (laughs) It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. After Attorney General William Barr's release of a four-page summary letter to Congress of Special Counsel Robert Mueller's long-awaited two-year investigation into Russia's alleged interference in the 2016 presidential election and Team Trump's cooperation in that effort and Donald Trump's attempts to obstruct the Mueller probe, I purposely tried to avoid most corporate and cable media coverage of that news on Sunday, choosing instead to work from the actual terse, uh, sparse four-page source material from... From Attorney General William Barr's memo, instead, in preparing yesterday's broadcast. Barr's short letter, in fact, is all we really have to go on right now, as we discussed yesterday, as far as what may or may not be in Mueller's actual report, which nobody other than Barr uh, and maybe Attorney General, uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, have actually seen. The 24 or 48 or 72 hours of media punditry and speculation you may have heard over the past few days is all based only on that four page document and official statements about it from public officials. So I didn't want to be swayed in my thoughts on it by anybody else's take for the most part yesterday, particularly since I found the mainstream corporate media coverage of the matter to be so poor. And largely speculative over the past two or three years, often taking rumors as news or uh, as dangerously taking official comment as actual evidence without independently verifiable proof to support any particular charge coming from any particular party. I find that to be wildly irresponsible. So. Based largely on just that four-page document by William Barr, here's how I summarized yesterday's program when I posted it to bradblog.com, headlined "Bar Brawl, Trump AG's summary of Mueller's special counsel report does justice no favors. As I tried to explain what Barr's letter said or, as importantly, didn't say. What it didn't say... Was that Mueller's efforts resulted in some 35 indictments, including more than 20 Russian individuals and entities, as well as indictments, convictions or guilty pleas from six top Trump associates and staffers. It also spawned a number of other probes and indictments, including what Barr describes in his four page note as, quote, several matters referred to other offices for further action. Nonetheless, based on Barr's summary report issued less than 48 hours after receiving what is likely to have been tens of thousands of pages from the special counsel, the White House, the president and his fellow peers are falsely characterizing the terse summary as reflecting Mueller's, quote, complete and total vindication of Donald Trump. That, despite Mueller's express and specific finding, according to one of the very few passages directly quoted by Barr, that the special counsel's report, quote, does not exonerate Trump of obstruction of justice crimes. That did not prevent the White House from falsely describing Mueller's findings as, quote, a total and complete exoneration of the president of the United States. That is actually the opposite of what little we know the report to have found, at least according to Barr's summary. In fact, while Barr claims Mueller's, quote, investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities, That's the matter which media and Democrats and Trump alike have described as collusion for so long. Despite that, Mueller left the decision on whether to prosecute Trump on obstruction up to the attorney general, at least according to Barr, for reasons that still remain unknown and will likely stay unknown until and unless Mueller's report is actually publicly released. Congressional Democrats are justifiably demanding as much. As I noted both on yesterday's show and in my summary of it, while we've uh, shared no small measure of healthy skepticism over the years about what Russia did or didn't do during the 2016 election, along with what Team Trump's involvement with it may or may not have been, there is no legitimate question about Trump's attempted up, uh, attempt to obstruct Mueller's investigation of all of that. Beyond whether or not the the obstruction itself rose to something that was prosecutable or impeachable and whether a sitting president can be indicted under the DOJ's dubious guidelines, which say that he or she may not. Of course, just about everyone uh, has an opinion about Barr's report on Mueller's report, but it should be made clear that everything we currently know is based only on Barr's own summary compiled in less than 48 hours. It should also be made clear that Barr is wildly conflicted in this matter, as he auditioned for the job as Trump's new AG. By sending an unsolicited 19 page memo to uh, the Department of Justice last year explaining why he believed Mueller's probe was fatally, quote, fatally misconceived. And that essentially a president cannot be held criminally accountable for any, quote, exercise of core discretionary powers within the executive branch that would include, for example, Trump firing FBI Director James Comey due to, quote, the Russia thing, as Trump admitted out loud that Barr and similarly conflicted Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein were left instead to determine Trump's fate on this point of obstruction and did so in less than 48 hours after a two year investigation is anything but what any American should consider to be justice. But as our friend Mark Joseph Stern argues at uh, Slate, William Barr did what Donald Trump hired him to do. Over at Salon, our friend Heather Digby Parton went even further, suggesting directly that what Bill Barr did was potentially nothing less than a whitewash, writing... Under the Justice Department rules, it was within the attorney general's prerogative to summarize the report with a terse explanation and determine its conclusions for himself. But in exercising that right the way he has, uh, uh, Digby writes, Barr didn't do himself or the president any favors. If the Mueller report really does exonerate the president, as Barr says, then there should be no problem releasing it to the public if the evidence is is less unequivocal. When the report does come out, Barr will look like he was covering it up. Well, as we tried to do during uh, uh, landmark moments of the Trump presidency, we are joined once again today by Heather Digby Parton to try and make sense of all of this. She is, of course, the much beloved blogger known simply as Digby, Uh, She runs the uh, long-running Hullabaloo blog. She's also a regular contributor at Salon.com and winner of the Hillman Prize for Opinion and Analysis Journalism. Oh, I'm exhausted already. Heather Digby-Parton, welcome back to the Bradcast.
3: (laughs) Thanks for having me, Brad.
1: Listen, before we get uh, to your thoughts on the bar summary of the Mueller report itself, I... I had, like I said, I had avoided much of the media coverage of his letter until I could cover it myself. I wanted to base it on the actual source material rather than a lot of opinions about that material. So it was kind of amazing then to come home last night and sort of get caught up on what I'll call the mainstream take on what happened to see a whole lot of hand-wringing and navel-gazing from many in the media saying they were wrong about their coverage of the, uh, of the past two years, that Trump didn't so-called collude with Russia after all, uh, and that perhaps Trump was even owed an apology. Now, while there is some truth to some of that, I also found some of what the media was saying to be just as wrong now as they were when they were making accusations about Trump and Russia without actually waiting for the evidence to support it. Uh, And now it seems like many are doing the same thing again. Uh, Your take on on how the media have been handling themselves over the past 48 hours or so since the uh, Barr report on the Mueller report has come out.
3: Well, I I agree with you. And in fact, you did yourself a favor by not watching when the report came out um, (laughs) because it was even worse than it was 24 hours later. Uh, when even they had absorbed, you know, il- a little bit more of it. But it was hysterical. And, of course, we could have expected that because it was hysterical for the for the week leading up to it. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, they were getting a lot of sources telling them that the, the report was going to drop, and then on Friday night it did, and everybody went into full 24-7 you know seven mm-hmm. news cycle hysteria mode. And then by the time it finally happened on Sunday, and it had this, this one line, I mean, it was specifically what, what made them completely, you know, lose their minds, was the one line in, in it in which, um, you know, Barr said that the special counsel did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. And what that led to, I and mean, that's a pretty specific statement, you have to admit, you know. I well, mean, and it's, and it's and it's very clear. Well, that actually, they did
1: it, not- it is and it isn't, uh, Heather. It says did not establish. Right. It, it, it doesn't say that right. it didn't clear him uh, oh. of that, that we found he didn't do it. It said it, simply the evidence did not establish the evidence that they looked at. And remember, right. Donald Trump, after saying he wanted to talk to the uh, special counsel and be interviewed, then refused
3: to be exactly. interviewed by him. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and of course, you know this this is a this is a very lawyerly statement. It did not establish yeah. that members of the Trump campaign, which you have to admit means some very specific people, mm-hmm. conspired or coordinated. And later, there's a footnote that defines what that means, which was a tacit or explicit agreement between the two parties mm-hmm. with the Russian government in its election interference activities. So, you know, that's that's what it says. And we can assume that that's exactly what what Mueller found, that he could not the evidence didn't establish that these members of the Trump campaign, you know, did this thing that they define as tacit or mm-hmm. explicit agreement in ter- with the government mm-hmm. in terms of its of the election interference. Well, that may be true. There's a whole lot of other stuff yeah. <laughs> that has to do with Russia and collusion. There's Trump-Moscow. There's all this stuff with WikiLeaks. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about that. However, okay, we'll, we'll just take that at face value, that the actual election interference, that the, two, the campaign and the Russian government didn't conspire on that. Okay, fine. But the media, to get back to your subject... Went nuts. And they basically said he's cleared on Russia. It had nothing to do with Russia. And it oh, was yeah. always this this very sort of blanket statement that it cleared him and his campaign of any kind of, you know, dealings, links, you know, whatever with Russia. And, you know, Barr goes into it and says that, you know, there were plenty of there were there were uh Attempts by the Russian government to, you know, make contact with and infiltrate the mm-hmm. Trump campaign. Well, we knew that, but we, what we didn't know during the campaign was that Trump was building a <laughs> was building a huge development in Moscow. In Moscow, and he was lying about it the whole time. That, per- that part we didn't know about, and so that, just to. to did just sort of you know put a put a lid on it. Mm-hmm. It, it the media jumped to a gigantic conclusion and and in doing so, I mean, I give Barr credit in my piece for I Give him credit for writing a very, very clever political document it's <laughs> well, four pages yeah. it gives Trump the immediate headlines that he craved mm-hmm. and needed, and uh, he used you know he even quoted the exoneration in it almost as if giving the word, right, that they could use, since it it, it was exoneration, even though it's Mueller saying it didn't didn't exonerate the president. He went on to, quote, exonerate the president, and it's all in a very, you know, sort of vague and kind of lawyerly language that he didn't even really explain very clearly his own um you know his own reasons for doing that for doing what he did on the obstruction of justice well, so the point is is that the media just jumped on that it was almost as if that that air that went out of the the balloon just exploded and they all kind of you know fell down defeated and you know, so, oh my! Look at this. He's been, you know, and and you know, but,
1: and of course, uh, the yeah, right went nuts. But Heather, I mean, listen, I I have had, and you may know, I've had a lot of problems with uh, the media coverage over the past several years. Uh, I Me mean, too, so going
3: back decades. <laughs> uh, yeah, well,
1: of course, but I mean, specifically on uh, a lot of this Russia stuff, a lot of the claims that they were making, which may or may not be true, but that they did not have evidence for. Um, and yet, they seem to be doing the complete opposite. The uh, headline, all caps, with um, at the New York Times, all caps yesterday: Mueller finds no Trump Russia conspiracy. Another headline: A cloud over Trump's presidency right. is lifted. Now, that was the word. I, I didn't go to uh, J school. I don't know if you did. I didn't go to journalism school. Did I didn't go to law school. Um, but I can read these documents, and I can see all of the various nuances in it. I can look at what uh, Barr's background is, how he got the job, um, it, you know, and I can see that they're doing it again. The media are yeah. doing it again. They are falling the other way. Now, listen, it may be true that there is no Trump-Russia conspiracy. Um, perhaps a cloud will have been lifted over Trump's presidency. But until we actually have the evidence... <laughs> Uh, the media continue to take any word they hear from anybody it seems and just report it as yep. fact never mind the evidence to uh, to back it up
3: well let me give you an example of of the way that it should have been done yeah you you talk about the the new york times and it really was the most egregious with that you know a cloud has been lifted that's mm-hmm. ridiculous a cloud has not been lifted Until they see the report. And there are a million other things. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess maybe they could be implying that there are a dozen clouds, which there are. But that is a very misleading headline. Here's one that's good from the Seattle Times. The headline reads Mueller report, bar, colon, no collusion, no exoneration. Trump claims vindication while counsel's report stops short of absolving president. That.
1: That sounds fair.
3: That is a fair headline. That it, that is explanatory. It gives exactly what you know. You can say. I mean, perhaps the no collusion is too much, but it's not. It's not unreasonable to say no collusion, no exoneration. I think that says it. You know, we don't know if he's been exonerated of collusion necessarily. Uh, you know, right? But I think that's the way a headline should be written. That is not the way that the New York Times did it, and, and it wasn't what a lot of the Bigfoot reporters led with either. Um, You know, and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of it had to do with the idea that, and and they're getting plenty of pressure from people on the right and on the left, you know, the Russia skeptics, uh, the hardcore Russia skeptics, I should say. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a Russia skeptic, so are you. You know, I mean, I didn't know. I'm I'm following it like everybody else. I was totally willing to believe that Trump is just a complete idiot. (laughs) You know, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily assume from the beginning that he was you know, some kind of clever, con- you know that he was in some clever conspiracy well, with let Vladimir me, Putin.
1: Let me ask you about that uh, Heather, because, uh, and, and I do want to get into the actual substance of what we what we know and what we don't from Barr's letter, but uh, since so much is, is sort of being spent flogging the media, certainly by the right but even by the media flogging themselves, uh, even while they're making the same mistake again, I would argue you know, you had David Brooks, I know you're a good friend over at the New York Times, uh Um, who cites uh, Beto O'Rourke as saying that uh, you have a president who, beyond a shadow of a doubt, sought to, however ham-handedly, collude with the Russian government. Uh, He cites John Brennan, the former CIA director, who, by the way, I have been shocked that progressives have sort of latched on to John Brennan, a known liar, uh, you know, and other intelligence agents um, to sort of support their belief that there was uh, this collusion that may or may not be there, um, where Brennan said, I called Trump's behavior treasonous, which is to betray one's trust and aid and abet the enemy. I stand very much by that claim. And so David Brooks and others and certainly the Republicans are now saying, oh, everyone, Uh, owes an apology. All of the media owe an apology for their coverage. I think a lot do. But, uh, again, before the substance, Heather, how do you feel about your coverage of this matter over the past couple of years? You focused on this investigation quite a bit at Salon. Do you feel like you have anything to apologize for in your coverage?
3: I don't. <laughs> I right. really I really don't. I you know, I don't yeah, I'm sure if I if I go back and look at all the stuff I've written and I, admittedly, I mean I write a lot about this. It's a big mm-hmm. part of the beat that I that I cover mm-hmm. at Salon. Um on my blog I cover a lot more, you know, many other things as mm-hmm. well, but I for Salon that's a big part of what I write about. Um or the Trump administration in general. Um, and and you know I don't I don't think so I mean I I don't feel like I was hysterical um, I don't think I think I've always you know been clear that it might be just be that he uh, look I I don't you know pull my punches at all about mm-hmm. his behavior about the way he acted in Helsinki about the fact that his his behavior toward russia in the campaign and beyond and not just vladimir putin i mean the way he is with all the strongmen you know the Mm -hmm. way he the way he behaves toward all the autocrats and the authoritarians i mean i find this repellent and i found it repellent the way he behaved toward putin in Mm -hmm. particular since putin did i believe i I i don't think it's alleged i think i'm willing to accept the fact that we know that russia did interfere in the election in 2016 so I, I don't pull my punches on that, and I, but I've always, uh, you know, made it clear that I thought it was thoroughly possible that Trump is just, you know, is just a, a dupe, <laughs> uh, uh, somebody who just yeah. ha- is so clueless about how things work, such an egomaniac and a narcissist that he could have easily been duped without anybody ever saying anything. All Vladimir Putin had to do, you know, was, you know, maybe hold out. And I didn't know during the campaign they had the Trump Tower deal going
0: mm-hmm. but
3: uh, he certainly complimented him and said he was intelligent and a genius and all that I mean, you know you know how to stroke trump he That's wanted to do business
1: he wanted to do business with him clearly yeah. you know nobody th- he didn't think he was going to win the election so he wanted right. to keep his options open i and expect he, that and he was and,
3: monetizing uh, this campaign uh, for course, himself you know course. so i mean that seems obvious to me now, now i yeah. find that reprehensible and i think that it, it is it disqualifying For a president to Mm -hmm. do that i don't know if the american people agree with me on that but i do so yeah i've been very very hard on him for all of that stuff but as far as the i don't think i ever said he was a russian agent Mm -hmm. or had committed treason or you know that he was a you know i mean maybe i did but uh, you know i i I think that you know if you don't take this seriously if you as someone who you know is Mm -hmm. either an analyst or a reporter if you didn't follow this story With, A, intense interest, it's the most interesting story of my lifetime, political story of my lifetime. Nothing comes close as far as political scandals are Mm -hmm. concerned. I mean, this is a foreign power, you know, interfering in our election, and the guy won, uh, and was suspected of being, you know, part of it, and certainly egged them on. We saw him do it. Um, So it's a fascinating story. You can't ignore it. And, And I also think that, you know, throughout, as these things were being revealed piecemeal, and look at all the indictments, and look at all the... You know, the people who, who, you know, pled guilty to various things. Um, You know, there's something was going on there, and I think we were justified in covering it intensely. Whether we did it right, I can't say.
1: You know, and obviously it it does need to be covered intensely. There's a lot to cover intensely here, and I'll throw this out. Uh, One of the things that has made me... Uh, skeptical. And again, I don't know the, the truth either way, but one of the things that has made me skeptical when I would hear guys like John Brennan and, and others saying, oh, that uh, Putin was absolutely uh, interfering, trying to uh, steal our election or affect our election is the fact that, uh, and I'll just uh, mention this, we've played this clip many times, I don't know if I have time. Do you have it open there? Okay. Uh, Jeanette uh, Manfra, from June I think of 2017 when she was asked by Ron Wyden I think it was in uh, in the Senate whether Uh, The Department of Homeland Security, she's uh, the uh, assistant deputy there or something, uh, whether they actually bothered to look at the voting machines. Now, given the fact that uh, you had all these people claiming that Russia was trying to steal our elections, well, you'd think they would examine the actual evidence to find that out. But here's how that exchange went.
3: Has the department conducted any kind of post-election for on the voting machines that were used in 2016? We have not. Our department has not conducted forensics on
2: specific voting machines.
1: And so I don't know if anybody has. But boy, if you think uh, a foreign co- uh, country has tried to steal your elections using uh, computers and cyber hacks and everything else, you'd think you'd want to check the uh, the ballots and the voting machines to find out if they might have... Done something there, but for some reason our government did not do it. That was well. One you're of the, talking about yeah. Donald
3: Trump's government, so uh, uh, run by Republicans and a Department of Homeland Security. No, no, no. That, that was
1: actually. I think that was back in, uh, and I could be wrong. That was back in in June 2017. I think Jeanette Manfra is a political appointee or someone who was there uh, prior. But you may be right. But it does make me. Uh, is just one of the many things that makes me skeptical. But I believe, as a journalist, that's my job, to be skeptical. Sure, absolutely. And I wish there were more skeptical journalists out there about all of this, both before and after the Mueller report. To that end, you suggest, uh, Heather, that uh, Barr's summary is little more than a whitewash. Is is that your take? And
3: Well, um, I didn't yeah. use the word whitewash. That's the headline that was put on it by my editors at Salon. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't go that far i don't know uh... here's some skepticism for you mm-hmm. Um i don't know if it's a whitewash uh... there's nobody could possibly know what exactly is you know w- whether or not Barr's conclusions mm-hmm. are correct i mean that that four-page you know very turf and you know there are plenty of hints within it that there's more there's a lot more to this story and of course we yeah. assume there must be because it was a twenty two month investigation um, but you know, the fact that he only quoted Mueller very, very um, you know, insignificantly in a lot of ways. He just sort of he and, and the fact that mm-hmm. his, his the sentences were elated, um, I think it leads people to be correctly suspicious that there's a lot more there. Yeah. And also the decision on the obstruction of justice I think is really key. Because it appears to me, and I, you know, I've done, written a lot about Watergate mm-hmm. um, and the, the Clinton impeachment over the last couple of years as we're talking about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was clear, under both the special counsel law back in 1974 and the Ken Starr um, invest, uh, independent counsel mm-hmm. um, law in 1998, mm-hmm. um, neither one of those um, counsels, Starr or Jaworski, Chose to decide whether or not obstruction had been committed. Both of them for the same reason—that it was a political question. Mm-hmm. Because they—they they were operating under the assumption, Jaworski too, that a president couldn't be indicted. So, in that crime, uh, you know, when that crime, when, when they amassed the evidence of those two crimes, in one case a mountain of evidence, and in the Clinton case, very little evidence. But in both cases, they decided to leave that to the Congress. I don't know this to be true. But I know that a lot of people uh, who follow this and who know um, Robert Mueller and who you know understand the sort of workings of, of how he would have approached this,
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, assume that he was following those precedents. That when he said he could not come to the conclusion and that it did not exonerate the president, the meaning for that was that this was a, that, that here's the evidence and I'll leave that up to the politicians to decide. Whether or not that is an unacce- this is unacceptable behavior for a president, and it's an impeachable offense. And Barr, whom we know, mm-hmm. came into that job largely on the basis of a memo that he wrote about obstruction of justice, in which he said that Mueller's theory was what was the word
1: fatally I was the word? flawed, I think, Fat- is what yeah, it was. Fa- yeah,
3: fatally. Yeah, fatally flawed or yeah, something like that. Uh, in any case, I mean, it was clear that he was hired for that reason. And we know for a fact, and many people have reported this and all the more today, that um, the president's lawyers, this was what they were most afraid of, was obstruction of justice. So you can imagine that um, that part of it, that Mueller would have known that, mm-hmm. and Mueller would have understood that this was, you know, and he had no choice. He, he could not. Um, he could not submit the report directly to Congress. He had to go through Barr. I- so by not making that decision, he at least left that hanging out in case somebody's going to see this at some point and understand that that he assumed that this was going to be a political decision. And Barr now is hanging way out there, so, as you said when you first uh, um, you know re- when you
0: mm-hmm.
3: read that part of my my uh, piece for Salon that I said, you know, this is, if it turns out that this obstruction case is actually far more obvious than mm-hmm. what what we think, that it wasn't just, oh, it's a tough call, I don't know what to do, which is not really like Robert Mueller's pe- anything he's ever done in the past. Uh, if this really does, the evidence leans strongly in favor of uh, obstruction of justice. William Barr will have been... Part
1: of a cover-up, basically. and uh, Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of the Republicans who are way out over their skis right now uh, may be um, uh, in for a surprise, perhaps when and if that material does get released by uh, uh, from from the Mueller report, if it ever does. By the way, the the quote what. Uh, Bar had said was that Mueller's probe was fatally misconceived. misconceived that was the word I was right. looking for. Yeah, was, uh, um, I've got just a, a, a minute or two left here, uh, Heather. So, uh, not enough time to get to what I a lot that I want to ask you about, but <laughs> what what is Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein's game in yeah. all of this? I understand yeah. why Barr, uh, you know, he sort of telegraphed why he might cover up whatever uh, Mueller had come back with, but... Any? Do we have any clue what Rosenstein's game is in all of this, that he seems to have gone along with Barr and saying, well, oh, we decide there's no collusion, I'm sorry, no uh, uh, obstruction of justice, yeah. so end of story.
3: You know, you've got me, but I'll just say for th- that I have been a Rosenstein skeptic, <laughs> right. was a Russia skeptic through this whole thing, because of the fact that he wrote that, you know, he really should have been recused from the beginning, because yeah. he wrote that memo to the, at trump's behest um you know that gave him the cover to fire comey right and 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 he knew that that was a cover and you know he was being used and allowed himself to do it but you know he sort of became a hero again this is some of the nonsense that you see among you know democrats and among the media that he's a big hero he was saving the you know the Mueller investigation and maybe he did but the fact is I've never really understood him or uh, trusted necessarily that he wasn't in some way kind of caught up in all of this in in a way that that I found kind of mystifying. So I'm not surprised, um, but that's a question that I think it'll be interesting to see answered. And let's just hope, Brad, that we have massive public hearings (laughs) because this is absolutely necessary to clear the air. One of the things I wrote in my piece, and I stick by it, this has to be publicly aired. There is so little trust in institutions on all sides. Yeah. Nobody believes anything. So we can't take the word of these political actors. There has to be the ability for the American people to see these people and, and, and assess for ourselves yeah. who we think is credible, who isn't, and hear the whole story laid out. Otherwise, the damage that all this has caused on all levels. Yeah. It's just—it's too massive. I mean, I, I don't think the de- the democracy is just. I mean, we're in big, big trouble anyway, and this just exacerbates.
1: Yeah, no. The people who say, "Oh, this is over. Oh, the cloud is now I know. lifted." I, I mean, know. it's just absolutely laughable, maddening, uh, misleading, and especially since a lot of this, you know, you can go back to—we uh, interviewed Stan Brand, uh, who uh, spent eight years as the general counsel for the U.S. House. We interviewed him last month, and he basically. Said that what was going to happen actually did happen. That, you know, because the special, com- because of the uh, Department of Justice doesn't allow a sitting president to be indicted, right. and the new special counsel law, unlike the independent counsel law under uh, Clinton and Nixon, doesn't specifically uh, allow for the uh, counsel to recommend impeachment specifically, Mm -hmm. that what we were going to end up with was sort of this catch-22 where everybody said, well, what was the whole point of that? And that is kind of what (laughs) we have here. But um, finally, uh, Chuck Schumer, who I uh, don't like quoting uh, very often, uh, but uh, he said he asked yesterday for the Senate to pass a resolution to make the public the full Mueller report. The same resolution passed the House 420 to 0, but Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell just objected. What are they trying to hide? Is this ever going to be released, or is uh, the cover-up that I do see here going to continue with Mitch McConnell now as the point man to keep all of this material from coming out?
3: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I assume and have assumed that the report would have to come out. It's hard for me to believe that it it won't, but hey— What do I know? And, you know, here in the Trump era, uh, anything can happen. I mean, it does give it away, though, right? I mean, you had the House vote unanimously to release the report. Trump's out there saying, oh, yeah, release it. I I don't mind a bit and all that. And then, (laughs) you know, Mitch steps in and says, no, we're not going to vote on it. Uh, kind of gives away the game. Just like he, uh, just know. like
1: he didn't mind. He couldn't wait to sit down and speak with uh, Robert Mueller.
3: Right, right, exactly. And and by yeah. the way, uh, you know another thing. We're we're going to be seeing a lot of of efforts to claim executive privilege on parts of that report. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It'll be like the Nixon tapes, um, which you know that was where Nixon was you know, frantically trying to cover that up. Uh, if there is bad stuff in there, you can bet that the president and his lawyers are going to claim executive privilege, and this is going to be litigated. It's going to take a very long time to get to that, and it's the obstruction stuff in particular, because that's all happened while he was president, and so that's going to be a very difficult thing. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I, you know, they okay. packed the courts. So, you know, maybe maybe they'll let him off
1: the hook. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll see. And in the meantime, uh, media, stop apologizing. Yes. Just just get it right. That's just all I ask. It. Just yes. get it right in the first place. Uh, Heather Digby-Parton, getting it right over at Salon. Check out her work at Salon.com and, of course, uh, at Hullabaloo, which is digby's blog, com, and follow her on the Twitters as ever at digby five six thanks heather talk to you again soon my pleasure brad okay quick break and we are back with desi doyan let's see if i can get mad at her about her green news <laughs> report coming up next on the bradcast i'm brad friedman hey this is brad if you haven't noticed by now it's no easy feat finding facts real facts not alternative facts over your public airwaves we try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Oh, I would never get you mad at you, Desi Doyen, for your Green News Report. That would never happen. Uh, w- uh, welcome back to the Bradcast. Uh, although we do have an update uh, now, just minutes ago, on one of the stories we cover, and we yep. will get to it. After our latest Green News report. We've already had 40-plus river gauges that have hit record levels uh, just in this early part of the flood season. As
2: record floods move south from the Midwest, NOAA warns of much more to come. It wasn't just one, but two very scary, very dangerous crises that happen back to back. Big new problems after major chemical fire in Houston. Humanitarian crisis in Africa amid Cyclone e widespread devastation. Plus,
1: America is back in the nuclear energy industry, folks.
2: We are back. Trump administration gives troubled Georgia nuclear plant billions more in taxpayer loan guarantees. Of
1: course they do. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And
2: I'm Desi Doyen.
1: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis and snarky comment. We have the goal of making American nuclear cool again. How about just the goal to learn how to pronounce nuclear? Nuclear. Rick Perry, this is your Green News Report. There is no cleaner source than nuclear energy.
2: Um.
0: going to soak up the sun.
1: Okay, Desi Doyen, there is way more going on in uh, your Green News Report here than I can possibly keep track of. I hope you can.
2: (laughs) I'll try. Good luck. First up, as we go to air, Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is planning to hold a stunt vote on the Democrats' Green New Deal resolution on Tuesday. McConnell hopes the procedural vote will put Democrats in a tough spot, especially those running for president in 2020. Senate Democrats are likely to vote present to protest what they call a nakedly political maneuver.
1: What makes it nakedly political?
2: Because there's no actual legislation to vote on. He's just trying to make them look bad.
1: Well, that's not hard.
2: In southern Africa, the death toll from powerful Cyclone Ide has risen above 750 in Mozambique and is expected to rise. Ten days after the storm, the floods are visible from space and cover more than 800 square miles. Aid workers are struggling to prevent an outbreak of cholera. The United Nations called the storm one of the worst weather-related disasters ever recorded in the southern hemisphere.
1: What's the best weather-related disaster?
2: In Texas, at the site of that massive petrochemical fire that burned for days in Houston, a containment wall breach at the facility on Friday reignited the fire and sent toxic chemicals into the Houston ship channel, forcing partial closure, stranding more than 30 ships as of airtime. The state of Texas is now suing the company for violating state clean air laws. Officials say air quality isn't hazardous, but nearby residents have reported rashes, headaches, breathing problems, and
1: Oh, no problem there. And of course, you know, if Texas is actually suing a company for pollution, uh, it must be really bad.
2: In the upper Midwest, record flooding has now caused more than $3 billion in damages as it heads south to the Gulf of Mexico. The flooding has impaired treatment of drinking water supplies in Kansas City. In Mississippi, they're already dealing with an existing flood crisis from torrential rains earlier this month. The documented increase in the frequency of these major flood events is proving too much for some victims, as residents told KMTV in Omaha. We're going to
3: leave. We can't. I can't live here. I can't do this again next year.
2: But the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration warns it could just be a preview of potentially historic widespread flooding that could affect as many as 200 million Americans this spring, Mm. with 13 million at risk of major inundation through May. NOAA blames the high risk on warm spring temperatures arriving early, rapidly melting heavy snow in the Midwest after the wettest winter in U.S. history.
1: And why would those warm spring temperatures be arriving early?
2: Well, NOAA scientists Have an answer for that. They say the fingerprints of climate change are on these floods. They cited the documented increase in extreme heavy rainfall events over the last 60 years, especially in the Midwest and Northeast, and they say it's consistent with what they expect from global warming. They also warned that the extra rain will bring more fertilizer runoff from the Mississippi River watershed to the Gulf of Mexico and is likely to trigger an even bigger dead zone than usual in the Gulf this summer. Finally, the Trump administration in its 2020 budget proposal called for slashing renewable energy and development. But late last week, the administration doubled down on Georgia's troubled Vogel nuclear power plant expansion. They tacked on $4 billion in new additional federal loan guarantees for a grand total of $12 billion in overall assistance for a plant that is 11 years behind schedule and many, many billions over budget. Here's Trump energy Energy Secretary Rick Perry.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, look around you. This is the real New Green Deal. That's what we're looking at here, folks. This is America. This is what we can do together. Why does it sound like Rick Perry has a fake Texas accent? By the way, remember that solar company Solyndra that Fox News and the Republicans were so mad that Obama gave $500 million in federal loan guarantees to? Oh, yes. Well, by my math here, it sounds like this nuclear company has received 24 times more than Solyndra did.
2: And that's Republicans' idea of the real New Green Deal.
1: Check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman.
2: And I'm Desi Doyan. And
1: this has been your... Green News Report. I was green before green was a thing. Huh. Well, you were green before green was a thing. Right?
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, quick update on the uh, on that uh, proposal, that Senate vote on the Green New Deal uh, today. And by the way, uh, Rick Perry, he is from Texas, right? Because yeah. I swear to God, he sounds like he's faking his Texas accent every time he talks. He's not. He just sounds that stupid? Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, so yes, the Senate has defeated the proposal to take up the Green New Deal. Both parties shunned the opportunity to debate a comprehensive climate change plan offered by Democrats, according to this Justine from AP. Majority Republicans had forced this vote. Democrats called the GOP move a sham.
2: Because it was.
1: Because it mocks an issue that a growing number of Americans care deeply about, says AP.
2: Exactly.
1: They, uh, the Democrats accuse the GOP of quashing the de- de- debate by blocking all public hearings and all expert testimony about the consequences of inaction on climate change before simply throwing the thing onto the Senate floor to try and kill it or, and or embarrass Democrats somehow, I guess, before the 2020 elections. So Mitch McConnell held no hearings whatsoever on this measure in any Senate committee at
2: Exactly. All. So there was totally a sham vote. The idea is for him to say, well, they voted against their very own resolution. They must not care about it. It's like that's, that's crap, and it's basically their attempt to try to present something that they can run against so that they can hide the fact that they have nothing. They have zero policies. They have zero plans. They got nothing to deal with climate change. So they're trying to distract people from the fact that they got nothing.
1: I'm just trying to distract people from that terrible Mitch McConnell impression you just did. Know, sorry was, about uh, that. <laughs> the worst I have ever heard. Anyway, us uh, senators voted 57 to 0. Against the procedural motion to take up this uh, non-binding resolution which calls for the U.s. to shift away from fossil fuels like oil and coal to renewables like wind and solar power, 43 Democrats voted present. That's why there was zero on the other side of that vote right uh, to protest the uh, GOP action. however, voting with the Republicans uh, Democratic Senator Doug Jones of Alabama, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, and Angus King, an independent, uh, who caucuses with Democrats? He also voted no on this measure. Yep. Couldn't tell you why wouldn't have time even if I could because I got to get out my thanks to our producer Desi Doyen to Heather Digby Parton of Salon and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us if you missed any portion of today's program download it anytime for free share it with your friends you can get it at bradblog.com along with every show we have ever done drop me an email if you like I'm bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters I am simply The BradBlog, Blog and thanks to those of you who have signed up up for a monthly subscription of any amount you like at bradblog.com/slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves, we rely on you and no one else. That's it until we meet again. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.